Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. My friend and co-host, retired longtime pastor Jeff Conway, is suffering from a neuromuscular disorder that is slowly taking away control of his muscles, including those affecting his speech. In today's episode, Jeff and I discuss our delight as Protestants in the idea of confession being the sacrament of reconciliation. We both mention our spouses, his is Patty, mine is Gary, and we begin the discussion of our next topic, death. Enjoy the episode. Hi. Hola, Senora Alloway. ¿Cómo está? Mm, muy bien. ¿Y tú? Ah, yes, muy bien. Um, I find myself in Mexico, uh, in the Yucatan, um, celebrating my 35th anniversary. Yay! Uh, and it's perfectly lovely. Um, uh, Provincetown was really hard for Patty and a bit for me. Yeah. Because everything was about taking apart the wheelchair and putting it together. And, yeah. you know, there are just stairs everywhere. Everything's built 1950 or before. And anyway, mm-hmm. um, so she hasn't had to touch my wheelchair once since we've been here. That's awesome. So we're on the first floor and I just go around to our terrace and there's a little bit of grass and then the ocean sand and then the ocean and spend most of the morning and early afternoon there. Um, and then take a little nap and we head to the pool behind us and um, kind of giggle at all the people who have been at the pool bar (laughs) and you know they're in their 40s or whatever and they're being loud and acting like they're 19 year olds again yeah um, but no it's it's been a lovely place and um you know when you come to these resorts so it's all inclusive so they always try to hit you with stuff so these things usually turn into some kind of push for a timeshare or to buy into Uh coming regularly to the resort. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, this is where being a cripple can be good or inappropriate, however you want to call it. But I told Patty, I said, you know, they just keep pushing. That's their job. Let's just say, because I'm in the wheelchair And it's truthful, we don't know how much time I have left. (laughs) So just say, we don't know how much time he has left. So we just can't do anything like that. Right. Like She didn't, she didn't say it. Oh, no. And she started, you know, her spiel. I'm like, oh, I just want to lay in the sun. (laughs) So I turned around and I said, you know, we really can't do anything like this. You see that I'm in a wheelchair and I struggle walking and we just don't know how much time I have left. And she burst into tears. Oh, no. And I felt so (laughs) bad because I knew it had nothing to do with me. I just, you know, you just knew it. It wasn't like she was 
reacting to that, but I mean, it was a literal burst into tears. So she had lost her mother to COVID four months ago. And the day after her presentation to us was her birthday. So, you know, we just listened for a while, both of us did, and um, she didn't know I was a pastor at this point and just said, I can't believe in God anymore because God took my mother away. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you, you know, I gently moved the conversation into a way of opening the reality of grief. Mm-hmm. and pain uh, but God does not zap us to cause us sometimes we're challenged yes by God and convicted by God but I don't feel like God zapped me and gave me this disease mm-hmm. I don't feel like God zapped her mother and gave her COVID right uh, that's the brokenness of the world so I spoke in that in 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 gentle ways um, and spoke about myself and what was going on and that uh, there was still much joy in my life. So this was like the perfect transition. Right. And you're praying inside, just going, please, God, please, God, please, God. So I said out loud to her, not the please, God, but yeah. I said, what would your mother want for you? Uh-huh. And she, you know started crying a bit more and then pulled it together and said faith and happiness because mm-hmm. my mother always told me um, that celebrate happiness because happiness is free mm-hmm. and those were the last words that she wrote to her daughter on the iPad Aww before she died. So we talked about, okay, so that's what your mother would want for you. How do you live that out? And she said, I can't live that out. I don't think I can do it. And I said, you can, you need to grieve and God can take anything. So just get mad at God, yell at God, but mm-hmm. lean into God with all of that. Don't lean away from God with all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's when she told us her, it was really hard because the next day was her birthday. And I said, okay, how about you think about this? So you came here to share with us about the resort. Mm-hmm. You run out, run into a pastor and his wife. We have this conversation about what your mother would want for you I don't believe that's just a coincidence Mm -hmm. I believe that God is speaking to you right now and wants you to lean into God for comfort be real in your grief uh, and know that you're loved by God so from being a jerk (laughs) not completely but you know I just I didn't want to they can you know, take an hour talking to you about these places. Right. So saying, you know, I don't know how much time I have left from that. We spent instead of an hour talking about the resort, a much better hour talking about 
the presence, the grace, the beauty, the healing power of God's presence in grief. And we saw her last night after dinner. Hmm. She came over and gave both of us a hug because everybody's wearing masks in the main places here. But when you're out in the open, you can be maskless. But yeah, so it was beautiful. Reading Rumi, talk of God like he always was a friend. I hope that's how I will remember him. I hope that is how I will remember him. Today, we want to talk about our reaction to Joe, Mm -hmm. uh, who shared with us the sacrament of reconciliation that I think was a jaw dropper for both of us. Both of us. Yeah. You know, I have so many former Catholic friends Mm -hmm. who just kind of complain about confession. And it was like, you know, you had to go in with a list of ridiculous things you did and then do whatever they say and you leave. Mm -hmm. And I've had such powerful experiences with confession in my life that, you know, I try to say little things about it, but, but they didn't want to hear that. But yeah, how beautiful the sacrament of reconciliation. Yeah. I mean, when he, how did that hit you? Well, when he first said it, sacrament of reconciliation, I was like, Oh, is there a sacrament that I didn't know about? Um, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I realized that he was talking about confession and I, it just blew me away. I was like, oh, so when I think of confession, I, I immediately get this idea of like what happens when you're a six-year-old and you steal candy from a store. I never Um, did that. You did not do that. Did you? I didn't, but I was, I did steal little things at times. Like the, the one that I am most ashamed of and it, I don't know, it just shows you how stupid kids are. Um, I went to my cousin's house and like, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up and it seemed like she did whatever. And so um, I went to her house and I was trying on her clothes and I stole one of her shirts Without telling her, I stole one of her shirts. And this is where the stupid part comes in. I wore it then to class pictures. And I'm pretty sure they then got one of my class pictures. And if I were her, I would have seen it and been like, that's my shirt. (laughs) I have no idea if she did. And I've never told her that. But I'm just like, ah. And now you have. How old were you when you did that? I was in middle school. Oh gosh. Yeah, I was old enough definitely to not do you were that. A real criminal. I know. So now <laughs> there you go, Kayla. I stole your shirt. I'm sorry. Please okay, forgive me. <laughs> send her a card and apologize and ask her to forgive you. Yes. So uh, yeah. Um, so if you're that little kid, often like you confess and then you get in trouble and then you move on, possibly like with a little more shame that keeps you from doing it again. But that's almost fake confession or that that's not actually reconciliation that that's something you know, else. It's kindergarten confession. It's learning, yeah. you know, the basics. Like, I don't think I said this in last time we talked, but 
when our boys were little and we would make them apologize to the other one mm-hmm. and say, I'm sorry. Um, the one who had been harmed had to accept the apology mm-hmm. and say, I accept your apology. And if they couldn't do it at that moment, as they got, you know, when they were little, it was mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. When there was real tension, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. So it turned into, well, you have been asked by your brother for forgiveness. So take the time that you need, not too much time because that will harm both of you. Mm-hmm. But take the time you need before you say, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. So that's reconciliation. Yeah. That's both sides. Instead of somebody say, oh, I'm sorry, or no worries, or whatever people right. say. Or it's like, oh, it's okay, or don't worry about it. Um, right, right, right. That it makes yeah. it real, and it builds a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of stagnate or break down mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. And it, 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 that's interesting that you said shame because that getting caught uh, can certainly bring that into the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like confession is intended to lead us into reconciliation and it's, it's not meant for just airing our dirty laundry and then leaving us to wallow in it. For me, confession, like true confession always brings me closer to someone, always brings me closer to the person that I'm confessing to or confessing with. And so when he called that the sacrament of reconciliation, it just made perfect sense. I was like, oh yeah, it's, it is bringing me closer to someone, not not creating a shame barrier between us. It's oddly enough, it, it does the opposite. So, so I'm curious if you can lay out any other examples of confession on your part. Do you want to tell any of those stories from your life? Yeah. So you can decide who goes first when, when you put this together. But my first year of seminary, there was uh, a gentleman who uh, was one or two classes ahead of me. And, you know, he would help me out because I was absolutely clueless walking into a theological library, having never uh, attended a traditional church, uh, just kind of youth gathering church type things. Um, so I was really raw going in to Gordon Conwell. Um, so this guy, a couple years older, he wanted to be a professor and he did become a professor, but, you know, part of that is leading your students. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say that I was his experiment in a bad way. <laughs> Yeah, uh, But he said, you know, why don't we meet every couple of weeks and just talk about your prayer life and your faith life instead of school life and all that kind of stuff. And I said, that'd be great because, mm. you know, that's where I was rooted. So so we got together this one time and we were just kind of chatting. And all of a sudden I just burst into tears. Mm. And, you know, I don't cry. Right. 
because I know you don't cry because <laughs> we both watch stupid things on TV that make us cry because we don't know how to cry. Yeah. Otherwise we have no outlet. Right. <laughs> we, have to, we have to force right. it. Yeah. So we've learned how to cry in a whatever kind of way, but um, I'm sorry. I just told something on you that I didn't have permission, but no, it's okay. I want I'll just for anyone listening, I watch Grey's Anatomy, which is terrible, but I watch it so that it will make me cry. <laughs> yeah, you know, which is I I can't describe emotions, so I'll watch things that I know will bring a tear to my eye. So anyway, so we're sitting there together just chat a tiny bit and I burst into tears. And, you know, he's kind of overwhelmed because he knows I'm not a crier. So he's at first kind of wondering what's going on, but started asking very gentle questions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why did that start? I don't know. Where did it come from? I have no idea. And has he continued to probe? Uh, that was God's spirit just overwhelming me with something from years ago hmm. that I had said, Oh, sorry about that. God, I won't do that again. And just moving on and not realizing, you know, the personal damage I caused another person. Hmm. And so this moment that was God initiated, not me initiated, um, is one I will never forget. And, you know, I think we usually we'd chat for a half an hour or 45 minutes and we were together for two hours mm. before I'd worked through it all. Mm -hmm. I had confessed it all. I mean, everything just poured out mm -hmm. and, it was like, for me, Patty doesn't like to get sick at all. I love to get sick just to get it out. And so it, it was like, ugh, just getting it all out. And then the exhaustion of getting it all out. And then the peace mm -hmm. uh, and the relief and the relaxation. So I think that's where the sacrament of reconciliation, because not only did I feel reconciled to this person who I needed to write something to, and I did, but, oh, it was such a intimate, beautiful, walking in the garden kind of moment with God. So for me in my office as pastor, Confession um, is deeper than just throwing out that list. It is what Joe said, which is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. The sun was shining bright and casting fairies on the sea. And so I never even thought once to say sorry. So I am taking all that things and placing them onto the so you have a list of 800 things that you've done. So let's hear some. My list. Tomorrow is my ninth wedding anniversary. Oh. Yeah. Oh. 
we don't typically, we are going to go out for breakfast, but we don't typically celebrate our wedding anniversary. What we celebrate every year is our confessiversary, which is September 26th. And um, it was just the day that we took a walk in at a park close to where we live now and just told each other, hey, I really like you. And, you know, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'd love to see where this is going to go. And then then we like gave each other a big, huge hug. And that was the first like any sort of physical embrace we'd ever had. And I just felt like I was home. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that confessiversary. That oh, is, I like that. That's beautiful. So that was that's one of my first and most meaningful examples of confession leading to bringing people together. Uh, so, right. so that's one. Another one that we use. Oh, wait a minute. Do you know the day that the other L word came up? Do you not celebrate that? I have no idea. when. <laughs> I have no idea when we first said that. <laughs> yeah. I remember being in a car with Patty mm-hmm. and driving and telling her that. Uh-huh. Do you remember how she reacted? Exactly. <laughs> she said, thank you. <laughs> to which I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and then the next day she told me she loved me. Oh, so nice. it all worked out. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> oh, when Gary asked me to marry him, I said, sure. <laughs> uh. And then I felt really bad about that. <laughs> uh. Uh, so, yeah, so that's one. The second one inside marriage was, I don't even remember where we learned this, but whenever we fight, we take turns essentially airing out. So the first person gets five minutes and the other person cannot interrupt at all. The first person just gets five minutes to essentially like rant and rail all of the things that we've been keeping in and not saying to each other and that are frustrating us horribly. And then the next person goes and they five minutes that you just like get to rant and maybe answer some of those first things that the first person said. And then the next, then you switch back and the first person gets two minutes and then two minutes and then one minute and one minute. And, um, and then by the time that is done, you're, you're able to like just converse back and forth and you're not as heated and whatever. So giving each other that space to confess all of the things that we've been keeping in and getting frustrated about and doing whatever that's been really, really helpful. And it also, you know, brings us together because. Okay. One more really personal question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have an egg timer that's ticking the whole time during the 10 minutes that goes ding at the end? Sometimes. Yeah. We will, if if we're really frustrated and we really need that space where no one interrupts, like we'll set a timer. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, you don't go over and. Right. Yep. (laughs) And you can, I mean, in the worst times, like you can bring a notepad and you can write down the things that someone said and be like, well, blah, blah, blah. 
and answer whatever that is. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's good. Cause otherwise, I don't know, we'll tend to just interrupt and not actually listen and not hear the person. And Well, yeah. And I remember the years that you're in that were more difficult with those little things mm -hmm. because little people are always around. Mm -hmm. So we have a friend who's she talks about her parents and their marriage a lot. And one bit of advice that they gave her a long time ago was just if you fight in front of your kids, make up in front of your kids. Um, and so make out in front of your kids. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what make, did you say? I said make up. Oh, okay. <laughs> reconcile but in front of remember your Remember, I'm also. on vacation in Mexico. <laughs> but yeah, because it's like, it, it's, it's, it's that's good. great advice. Great yeah. advice. Yeah, because like you said, it's, it's okay to show your kids that you are real people to argue in front of them, but they also need to know how to reconcile. And you are right. the example of that. So, and that was actually, my parents never did that, but my sister, my sister is a lot older than me. I lived with them for a couple summers and they had this one just blowout fight that was really awkward for me because it, you know, it's a small house. I can hear everything. Yep. But when they were done arguing, I could hear them. They went to every kid's room in the house and said, hey, just want and, and mine, too. They, they went to all of us individually and just said, I just want you to know that we are best friends. Sometimes we fight. That doesn't mean that we hate each other. And that doesn't mean wow. that we are breaking up or anything. We just, you know, sometimes people fight yep. and they have to figure out how, how to deal with an issue. And so I just, we just wanted you to know that we love each other and everything is okay. And I was blown away by that, by their, as adults, their ability to yep. be okay, owning that and confessing yep. that to younger people and all of that. Um, yeah. And not just their kids, but going to you also, that was right. pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Beautiful. yeah. Yeah. And that leads me to one of my other ones, which is just that as a parent feeling like it is okay and good for me to apologize to my kids. Cause I don't, I'm not a perfect person and I don't parent perfectly and sometimes I get frustrated and react poorly to the things that they do or whatever and like I don't need to pretend like I'm doing everything right and just you know hold my ground and whatever because I'm an adult you know I don't that's not actually good parenting so um so yeah even even humbling yourself enough to apologize to your your own children no matter how young they are is a really powerful thing. Yes. Yeah. It, it's been a little different for me with each boy, but um, with one, I've written some letters. So he has time to sit with it. Because mm -hmm. uh, parenting adult children is interesting. Mm -hmm, I'm sure. And um, I don't know if I've confessed this fully to Barrett or not, but on January 6th, he lives in on, on Capitol Hill, mm -hmm. eight blocks from the Capitol. Mm -hmm. So he was over at the Capitol 
filming what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knew all the stories of his dad being in Afghanistan with the Taliban bombing outside of Jalalabad and mm-hmm. being arrested in Egypt and, you know, all these kind of things that happened to me. And I'm like, um, what do I say to this guy? Because what I'm seeing on TV and what he's filming, it looks like he's three feet away from these people, but, you know, he has camera on Zoom. So I finally asked him, I think texting wise. So, so, you know, how, how far are you from the Capitol? <laughs> so he said two blocks and I said, okay, well, well um, you know, just stay safe, be smart. Mm-hmm. And then um, the news said there was a gunshot in the Capitol. Mm. And, you know, I was just kind of pacing emotionally at that time because I can't do that physically. And I'm like, how do I tell him to get out of there? How do I tell him he has to leave? How do I, how do I do this? That's not, you know, Oh, dad, you're just being, you know, all kinds of things going back and forth in my head. And I finally hit his name and phone rings and he answers and goes, what's up? I'm walking into my house. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) You know, which is eight blocks away at that point. And I go, oh, I was just checking, you know, if anything else was going on that you were seeing. And Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm confessing right now. I don't think I confessed him that that's actually what I was calling for as he was stepping inside his house but yeah it definitely gets um, uh, more interesting because yeah once a parent always a parent so um, you're sharing some good things about confessing as a couple and confessing as a family and reconciling as a couple and family I love that yeah, so I have I only have two more. One is confessing as friends and the other one is confessing with God, like you said earlier. So one of the things that we've done uh, in our church is these little triad groups. So groups of three who get together for like prayer and scripture reading and discussion, things like that. But one of the things that we were very intentional about was setting aside time for confession to each other. And it was, it wasn't one of those things where you'd confess and then everyone would discuss. It was just, it was just very much like the Catholic experience of going in saying your thing and then being absolved. So it, you would say your thing Then we had this phrase that everyone else in the group would say, God's grace is big enough for even this. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that's this was just a perfect example of sometimes you don't actually need to go into the things that you feel bad about. You don't necessarily need to pull them apart and discuss them to death. Sometimes you just need someone, actually someone out loud tell you God's grace is big enough. Right. And you can, you can go about your week. You can come back to it. And I I feel like that's one of the things that Joe was talking about laying things out and then being, being reconciled to God and the world and moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Someone once said that like a book doesn't exist until someone 
pulls it off the shelf, opens it up and reads it out loud. And I always found that really interesting to apply that to scripture. Like it is, it is a spoken thing. It, these are the words of God when they're spoken out loud, when they're yeah. sent out into the air um, through sound waves and things like that. And, and so there just really is something powerful about hearing another human being or hearing God say, my grace is big enough for right. even this. My grace is big enough for you yeah. to actually hear that coming yeah. across the sound waves. Everybody who's listening, write down that phrase. Um, Cause that's beautiful. Um, write it on your mirror, put it in your Bible. So yeah, that leads me into my last one confession with God, because the thing is, God already knows. God already know. God already knows all the things that I'm going to be confessing. That's that quote from Frederick Beekner that I mm -hmm. that I put on that last post. That yeah, mm -hmm. it's not like yeah. we're telling God anything that God doesn't already know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So God already knows. So confession with God for me tends to be kind of admitting things to myself. And in admitting those things to myself and God, coming to God for love and grace, it, it's, it's coming to God for belonging. True confession always brings us closer to someone, whether that is yeah. our friends or our family or God. It's um, interesting. Now you're talking about not necessarily being emotional, but a little bit about being emotional because you have to be in touch with your emotions to be able to confess that way. So I can admit kicking the dog, <laughs> throwing the bike, whatever. That's, mm -hmm. that's an easier practice for me. Right. Um, but because I don't speak emotional language, I'm high on the empathy scale, mm -hmm. but low on everything else that has to do with emotions. That drives Patty crazy, which has been part of, you know, our marriage and our discussions is I don't want to hear what you think about it. Tell me how you feel. Yeah. Which is the most maddening thing in the world because. Because you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I just told you what I think about it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's pretty funny, but um so I can talk about kicking the dog or throwing the bike or whatever kind of a deal. And I, I, I have enough emotional intelligence to recognize that and to apologize to a person, uh, to lift that up to God, to be healed, to feel reconciled, all those kind of things. But there are certain deeper emotional parts of confession that God just needs to break down the temple. It is a big wall. It's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful place. It still is a beautiful place. I love going to the Temple Mount and the Western Wall, but, you know, there were barriers even there. There was the outer court. Uh, mm -hmm. There were those that were allowed inside the Holy of Holies and mm -hmm. inside um uh, even the temple before the Holy of Holies, just, you know, there's a movement towards God 
And for me that all those barriers just need to be blown up by somebody or by God so that I can stand in the Holy of Holies and go, Oh, okay. I get this. So that's, that's the power for me. I wish I had more emotional intelligence that I could do that on my own, but I've loved uh, the people I have in my life that have helped me get there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I certainly love the intimacy with God that I feel more and more each day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now I'm back to a season in my life where I do get up early and I do read scripture and I read some devotional material and I spend time in prayer and I let it pour over me. So that's first thing in the morning. I start my day that way now. So that intimacy starts um, from the very beginning. And that is how even as not completely ridiculous because we'll talk about my feelings about death, but telling somebody, I don't know how much time I have, so we can't buy into anything that you're trying to offer. And Betty bursting into tears, um, that relationship of intimacy, that reconciliation of 62 years of living um, allows me to speak God's truth into her soul mm-hmm. um, in the midst of that pain. And, and that, that pain that she, she was particularly experiencing was death mm-hmm. um, and losing someone. Yeah. Um, so being intimate with God puts you... Um, you know, in, in a different place when you're, when you're thinking about death. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. And um, I mean, I think about death all the time now. Yeah. Everything I do almost intentionally, anything I do intentionally has something to do with my death and what I want to leave and how I want to do my best to help other people experience that as being okay. Mm -hmm. So that there are no Bettys out there saying, I can't believe in God anymore because that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, there are two things. First, you know, the hymn, all creatures of our God and King. Yes. So it's originally written by St. Francis. We don't necessarily use all of the same words now, but it's just this beautiful poem about how, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars praise Celebration God. creation. Yeah. And the grass praises God and the animals praise God. And the last thing to praise God is sister death. So here are the words to that last verse. And thou, most kind and gentle death, waiting to hush our latest breath, oh, praise him, alleluia. 
Thou leadest home the child of God, and Christ our Lord the way hath trod. O praise him, O praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. So that's one thing, just the idea that even even death praises God. But then the the other thing that I thought about in your story with the lady at your um, the place you're staying, this morning I actually found out that my dad's going on hospice. Uh, and things are advancing toward right. uh, toward that end. And while sometimes I feel guilty, like, oh, shouldn't I, shouldn't I be breaking down? Shouldn't I be falling apart? Shouldn't I be devastated by this? And I feel guilty or self-conscious about it. I also, I don't know, somehow have this profound sense of peace. Uh, because Susan Alloway wrote, oh no, Susan, Susan Holman wrote, letters her freshman year to her father and talked about the pain of lack of relationship that has brought you to this point that you're at now mm -hmm. yeah so, yeah. yeah yeah so confession reconciliation these are good things <laughs> yep they are yeah i'm glad for him that he doesn't have to fight he can relax but i will be praying for your entire family most definitely yeah thank you All right. Well, oh. big hug from me. Same. I promise I'm drinking water until probably four. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. All well, right. I love you. Take care. Love you too. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for A Different Kind of Walk. For the next couple episodes, we will be discussing death, and we hope to be interviewing special guest Betty Fawner on this topic very soon. Until next time, live well. <laughs>